Turn in your Bibles to the book of Jude. Praise the Lord. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Our desire as a church is to know Him and to make Him known. Him being God Almighty. To know Him as He is revealed in the Scriptures. To know Him through the avenue of worship and the ways in life that He reveals Himself. And to make Him known through changed lives, through our witness, and through our getting to know Him, He shines through us. So this knowing God is not just a matter of meeting Him. I prayed a prayer once, but it's a matter of a relationship with Him, of getting to know Him more. You know, when I married my wife, I knew her as a 19-year-old girl. Now I know her, I'm getting to know her as a woman over 30. (laughs) Hallelujah. The book of Jude, written by the brother of James. Jude is one of Jesus' brothers. Jude is also pronounced Judas. But because of something, Joe, that another guy did named Judas... Nobody's naming their kids Judas anymore. It was a great name. Anyway. Jude, verse 1 through 4. He said, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. That's us. Anybody here that God is preserving you? Helping you in your walk? He set you apart for His purposes? To make him famous. So this is a letter to us. A greeting to the called. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. I receive that. How about you? Lord, we receive your mercy, your love, and your peace. Let it be multiplied. Beloved, verse 3. While I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. He's referring to another letter that he wrote to the Christians in his area that didn't get included in the Bible for one reason or the other. Maybe it was some private information. I don't know. But he says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray. Lord Jesus, we want to be a people that make you famous. And in so doing, Lord, we want to contend for the faith that you gave to the church once and for all. And I just pray, Lord, that today would be a word that encourages us in that part of our walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. He says, I found it necessary to write to you, verse 3, exhorting you. The word exhorting is the word parakaleo, which means to call near. Para means to be near. A parachute is something you want near you. A parasite is something that's near you that you don't want near you. Parakaleo, someone who calls near. To call for, to invite, to invoke, to implore, to beseech, 
to entreat, to desire, literally to beg. Parakaleo. New Testament prophecy, according to 1 Corinthians 14, is three things. It's edification, exhortation, and comfort. We all know what comfort is, to console. It's alright baby, you're going to make it. We need words like that sometimes, don't we? Edification are words that build up. An edifice is a building. When you edify someone, you build them up. When you edit something, you improve it. <laughs> Exhortation is when you call someone higher. And here he's exhorting them to contend earnestly. A contender is a fighter. Who's the contender in a boxing match? Is it somebody who wants the title or somebody who has the title? Who wants it? Contender. We want to keep we want to keep up the struggle. We want to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. The word there for faith is a word pistes, which means assurance, belief, fidelity, fidelity, persuasion, credence. The system of truth itself. And here he's calling us to fight for, to contend earnestly for the faith, the truth, which was once for all delivered to the saints. Reason is because certain men had crept into the church in that area that were seeking to divert them with lewdness and sensualness. Uh, sometimes a cult leader gets too much power and he lures people into sensuous activity. And you have things like what David Koresh was doing with other men's wives and, and children even. And he lured people away from the faith. I think they were good Seventh-day Adventist people that got lured away by a young man who was zealous for the Lord. But got into error and refused to be corrected. And it led them astray. My topic today isn't about lewdness per se. As much as it is about just the whole general point of not being led away from the faith. Whatever that would be. And uh, brothers, we don't need to let Delilah on the job get her eyes off of Jesus. And sisters, you don't need Billy Bob, you know, down the street to get your eyes off of God's purpose for you as a woman of God. How to contend for the faith. Number one. We must be aware that there is opposition to the truth our faith is based upon. There is opposition to the truth our faith is based upon. Don't get shocked about it. Truth is going to be opposed. But if you stick around long enough, you'll see truth bear fruit and hold true and prove that it is truth. Lies may be, believed, may be believed for a season, but sooner or later they will be exposed. Jesus said it like this, The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, experiences violent resistance. Jesus also said, In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Paul wrote, I think all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So you will face resistance. An attempt, sometimes it's a tempting thing to... Be lured away from truth. And sometimes it's a persecuting thing to be lured away from truth. But both forms, whether it's some kind of 
something that really tempts you or something that really hurts you. Both forms are out for the same thing. To oppose the truth from its operation in our lives. Number two, we must look for fruit in the lives of those we allow to influence us. Look for the fruit. Many times, it's not the error itself that leads us astray as much as it is the person promoting the error. Whether it's somebody who looks good or somebody with a charismatic personality or the power of persuasion or using logic in some weird way to twist the truth. Look at their lives. Is there good fruit being born? Jesus said, Matthew 7.15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Verse 20 goes on to say, Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Just bringing up David Koresh again as an example. Not to stir up the controversy whether you thought our government handled that right or not. The point is, the believers in that group should have looked at the fruit in his life. I don't care if his theories on the last days, his eschatology was right or not. That wasn't the point. The fruit in his life was way out to lunch. Many times, the most effective false prophet is a good prophet gone bad. Well, they may have been a man of God in the past, but now they're not. Look at the fruit in their lives. Do not allow them to influence you. Oh, but he sings so good or, you know, never mind. Number three, we must be wise and realize that even we can be deceived. Jesus said, then false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to the nations. And then the end will come. Verse 24 goes on to continue these thoughts. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So we must realize that we could be deceived if we're not on our guard, not searching the scriptures and not, you know, Staying on our toes, making sure we're not just being led astray just because something sounds good. You know, just because something rhymes doesn't mean it's the truth. You can be deceived. And I'm going to prove it to you right now. Which of these two crescents or arches is bigger? Tell me. The blue one? Are you sure? Which of these two arcs is the biggest? Which one? No, those of you that have known this already, all you Ray Comfort fans, he's not a false prophet. All you, the Ray Comfort people, be quiet. Which is bigger? Are you sure? Which is bigger? Are you sure? Are you sure?
truth is they are the same. See? You can be deceived. Be on your toes. Number four. We must remember that God allows rebellious people to be deceived. God allows it. Romans 1.22 says, Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. You ever hear somebody talk about, My God won't do that. and My God this. They've, they've made their God corruptible. Corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. Verse 28 goes on to say, And even as they did not like to retain God in their their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. And Romans 1, beginning with verse 29, goes on to say what these things are without, which are not fitting. It says, Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers. Did you hear about so-and-so? Backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who do them. So God's judgment on their life, hoping that they will wake up to realize, hey, I need to serve God, is to just release them to the uncleanness in the world. So that they'll say, you know, something's wrong. The God I've created in my own image is, is bearing bad fruit in my life. I need help. And God is helping people. Joe Duncan, earlier in the service, read that scripture that listed all kinds of vile things that, that we in sinful lifestyles experience. But then we have hope. And such were some of you. You were washed. You were cleansed. You were sanctified by the blood of Jesus. You see, it's the sick that need the physician. So God allows people to get sick with sin so they'll realize they need a physician. So there's redemption at work. In the meantime, it allows people to get sick with sin so that we can see the fruit in their lives so we won't allow them to influence us. Number five, we must hold to the simplicity of Jesus and His message. 2 Corinthians 11.3 But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Verse 14 And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. The simplicity of Jesus, the truth of the cross, is 2,000 years old from the New Covenant onward. 
But actually, it's an eternal truth because it began before the foundation of the world. Jesus was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. It was part of the plan of God. Some have mocked it, saying, oh, that's slaughterhouse religion. No, that is the gospel. But thank God for the empty tomb. The cross is the transition point. The place where the covenant was made. The place where the exchange was made. Where He took our place. Died in our place. So that we can reap the benefits of His death and His resurrection. Number six. We must not forget about the reality of evil spirits. 1 Timothy 4.1 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. I think one of the uh, deceptions in the world that's kind of making a recurrence, you know, there is no new tricks the enemy has. He has to keep recycling the same old things he has, is the belief in reincarnation. And some are being swayed by it because of their need for affirmation. In the past, we used to kind of laugh and kind of blow off people who believed in reincarnation as just being duped by their own need for attention. Because uh, those who said they had a past life seemed to never be just anybody. I heard a comedian say once, why wouldn't anybody a street sweeper in their past life? Why do they always have to be a king or a queen? I think there's a lady here in Granbury that says she was Buddha in her past life. She upped all of them. But recently I heard of two things. A young man on one of these uh, newscasts that, that produces stories like 60 Minutes told about a, a little boy who was way too little to understand mathematics began to speak as though he was a person who died years earlier who knew all about aviation and airplanes. And it is amazing when you hear that stuff. And supposedly the parents of the kid uh, were Christians. But now that he's older, it's not happening anymore. But maybe he was a reincarnated aviation guy. Heard about a little girl up in Missouri. One day, just a little child, began to speak fluent German so that she was a little girl that had died in Germany, gave the date, the time, everything. And they did research through the embassy, and I don't know how else they did it, and verified it was all true. And this little girl appeared to be a reincarnated German baby. That's heavy stuff, isn't it? Whoa. That's way beyond Shirley McLean stuff. Out on a limb. This family was Christians. And they understood the reality of demons. They understood understood that there are some demons that are called familiar spirits. These are spirits that imitate the dead. These are spirits. This was a spirit that the witch of Endor conjured up who pretended he was Samuel. Called back from the dead, which was part of the thing that opened up Saul to all kinds of ruin when he went to a witch to seek counsel from a dead man. This whole question of what happens to the dead is another part of this 
of this deception that the world wants to embrace. Because, because let's face it, if we're going to be reincarnated, then the Bible's not true. It says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. The Bible's not true. It says we must be born again of water and the Spirit. They called some believers who understood the reality of demons and the fact that familiar spirits will imitate people with whom they've had a relationship with over the, over the centuries that they've been in operation. They prayed simple prayers over this little girl, and it all stopped. And I imagine maybe, I don't know, that could be what happened in the life of the little boy that knew all about aviation, and then one day he just didn't. These people were believers. I'm sure they had some people pray over These are demons that, for one reason or the other, find a way to operate in people's lives to bring deception into the world. Don't be duped by it. Number seven, we must not be discouraged by the signs that these are the last days. When you see deception in operation in the world, be encouraged. Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. Amen. Know this, that in the last days, 2 Timothy 3.1, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Oh, there it is again. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers. Without self-control. You know, slander and disobedience seems to go hand in hand. I've never known a child who's disobedient that speaks well of his or her parents. Without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying his power. From such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. There's all kinds of new theories being created to distract people from the truth. Years ago, when we were renting Country Love Theater... Uh, in the early days there, we didn't inhabit the whole building all the time like we did in our last couple years there. We just had the second floor all the time and then the first floor on Sunday mornings. And someone had rented the facility to hold a seminar on how to find your angel. And the scriptures warn against uh, worshiping angels, seeking out angels. You pray to God and let Him dispatch them. Say, Lord, send the angels. But don't go barking orders at angels. They don't even do that kind of thing. And so, um, I was real concerned. So, the day came for this seminar to take place. It was advertised. And the lady was there with all of her paraphernalia, her books and her... Her, her things to put on her show. And I just went upstairs and just prayed. Blessing for her, Lord, open her eyes to this deception. And I pray, Lord, that it not be allowed to operate in this building. And to my surprise, nobody, nobody came. Nobody came. Signs of the last days. Is there still a pagan club at the high school, high schoolers? All right. A few years ago, when Yvette was a substitute teacher at the high school, um, the pagans wanted to have a club. Well, we live in a nation of equal rights. 
if pagans don't have freedom to worship, then we don't have freedom to worship, right? But at the same time, as Christians, we have the unique responsibility to pray for Lord. You know, stop this deception from being promoted in our school. And the way the Lord dealt with it was so unusual. At their first meeting, some of our young people went... And they prayed in tongues during that meeting, you know, prayed against it and all that. And that didn't seem to make much headway. But remember the point of looking for the fruit in the lives of the false prophet. This dear lady, for, for, for students to have a club of any kind, they have to have a teacher that's willing to be the sponsor. And in the faculty was a woman willing to be the sponsor, a pagan woman willing to be the sponsor, a teacher willing to be their sponsor. Well, this dear lady had a class at the end of the day. Her last class was so unruly, undisciplined, it was demonic. And these kids had her so discouraged, she was ready to quit. And one day, Miss Yvette got to be her substitute teacher. So, knowing the understanding of Romans 13, you know, there's a time to pray, but there's also a time to call the police. She informed the administrators there of that, of that institution what was going on. This dear lady's wanting to quit. And uh, did you sub all day for that lady? So all day long, Yvette subbed all her classes. And sitting in her chair, prayed blessing for her. Lord, just bless this woman. Reveal yourself to her. And it came time for the last class. And things were lined up with the security on the school and with the police. And they put a stop to the crap that was going on. And when that lady came back to teach again, no more problems. Where is she today? I'm not sure. But just an example of God's power at work and applying the word at work and the fruit of chaos. Um, Prayer works. We must be committed to learning and living by the truth of God's Word. We don't want to just learn. We don't want to just hear, but we want to live. We want to heed. We want to walk the talk. Walk the walk. 2 Timothy 3.13 says, Evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Talking about the last days. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible you hold in your hand, 66 books written by 40 Writers inspired by the Holy Spirit about hundreds of controversial subjects written, written in dozens of different settings. People from all walks of life wrote these 66 books that fit in this one volume with amazing harmony. And this book through the centuries has been used to establish governments, build churches, and change lives. So don't be duped by Billy Bob Know-It-All, who's here today and will be gone tomorrow, that he now has the answer to replace the Bible.
Number nine, we must help others to not wander away from the truth. Because we can be deceived, means we've got to help each other to hold on to the truth of who Jesus is and of the Word of God. James 5.19 says, Brethren, if any among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. If you see me going off, please come and confront me. Try to do it according to Galatians 6 1, of course. Which says, if you see a person overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, go to them in a spirit of gentleness, lest you also be tempted in the same. And that's a principle of, judge, of, of rightfully judging someone. You don't want, if you wrongfully judge someone, that same thing will come back on you. Anytime something goes wrong in my life, I search my heart. Lord, who have I judged? <laughs> Purify me. Cleanse me. And number ten, we must know that God will judge all deceivers. You cannot sin and lead other people astray and get by with it. If you're getting by with it so far, it's God's mercy. Don't be deceived by His mercy. It's His mercy giving you room to repent. He's showing His love for you. Well, my God doesn't judge. Well... Your God is not the God of the Bible. The reason He says not to judge because He is the judge. And when we judge, we uh, try to take His place. In the verse where Jesus said, Judge not lest you be judged, the very next verse in Matthew, He says, Don't cast your pearls before swine. Lest they turn and rend you with them. So I'm not supposed to judge, but yet I'm not supposed to cast pearls before swine. That means I need to use wise judgment and what I do with my pearls, right? So I don't want to be judgmental, condemning, but I'm not going to let a criminal babysit my kids. So the point is, where you have authority is where you are allowed to make judgment. Never step into God's position of authority. So if I have pearls, then I have authority over my pearls. And I must use wife's judgment in what I do to invest those pearls. Does that make sense? Where I have children... I must use wisdom to make wise judgment in the lives of my children. But my neighbor's kids? That's outside my sphere of influence. I don't have authority there unless they give me, influ- unless they give me authority. And it might be just for this period of time that, I'm, that we're babysitting them or something. Does that make sense? So don't be duped by this whole thing. Don't judge. Don't judge. Oh, you can't never make a judge. Well, then just throw your pearls everywhere then. The point is, when you judge someone inappropriately, it's because you have gotten outside of the sphere of authority that God has given you and trying to be God. And that will bring things down. It will bring ruin in your life. Second Peter 2.1 We must know that God will judge all deceivers. There were also false prophets among the people, even as there were false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even deny the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. One way to dupe people 
is to take a truth and push it too far into error. You can do that with faith. You can do that with grace. The truths of Calvinism that are pushed too far becomes hyper-Calvinism. And it creates a scenario where the, the, the uh, belief in eternal security creates insecurity. Because you don't know if you're one of the ones that's elect. How do you know? Well, there's fruit in my life. Well, how do you know that that fruit's not just because you're a good person? And the truths that are part of Arminianism pushed to an extreme also create insecurity. How do you know you're saved? How do you know you haven't done something and didn't repent of it? How do you know? A truth pushed too far creates untruth. And many times these things are promoted by covetousness. Somebody wants their own view of a truth to sell their own book. The truth of giving and receiving, sometimes I fear, is pushed too far on the airwaves to the point of promoting the idea of buying blessings. Remember what was happening during the Dark Ages when Martin Luther rose up and began to declare the truth that we are justified by faith and faith alone? To raise money to build those nice cathedrals that we go over to Europe and see. Those monies, the money was raised for a good purpose, supposedly. But to raise the money, they were selling indulgences. You want your Uncle Billy Bob to get out of hell? Let's cough up some money. You want to be forgiven for your sin? Save four Hail Marys and put some money in the coffers. You may laugh about that, but that's happening in our day. You want your child healed? Make a vow. Send in the bucks. I heard one guy, some of you all read his books, said his child was healed because he gave several thousand dollars in an offering. That's not right. I'm not attacking personalities. I'm just attacking error today. That is not right. Jesus died so that you could receive the benefits. Look at the word free in your concordance and see all the things that God has given you for free. Now, He blesses obedience. He blesses giving. He blesses when we sow into good things. But never think you're buying God off or buying something. All right? I believe in tithing. This church is supported by tithing. I believe in giving. But never let it be said that if you give this, you'll get this. This is, man, it's... Ah, better hush. You'll see how irritated I get sometimes. Some people yell at their TVs during football games. Some of them yell at them during other things. Give me a break. Number 11, we must repent of anything that would make us vulnerable to deceivers. What would make us vulnerable to somebody selling the blessings of God on the airwaves? Maybe not being wise with your finances. Creating emergency situations makes you vulnerable to believing, hey, if Billy Bob gets my money, I'll get my bills paid. 2 Peter 2.18 speaks of these false prophets. says, For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if 
after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Verse 21 goes on to say, For it would, bet, it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has been happened to them, it has happened to them that the true proverb, a dog returns to his vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. I love our dog, but you know, dogs are nasty. Pigs are smart. But pigs are nasty. And as believers, we must never think that we could never return to the junk the Lord saved us out of. In fact, many Christians I've seen that fall back into the stuff the Lord they saved them out of, they go into it even deeper. A greater addiction. Number 12, we must test everything. Everybody say everything. Everything, everything by the Word. According to the word. I don't care if, the, if I say it. I don't care if Benny Hinn says it. I don't care if John Maxwell or John MacArthur says it. If you don't see it in the word, don't embrace it. If I say it and you don't see it in the word, come to me. Say something's got to be corrected here, guy. We must test everything according to the word. First John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the Spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now in the earth. Verse 6 says, We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the Spirit of truth. And the spirit of error. Second Peter 3 warns us about untaught and unstable people twisting to their destruction the scriptures. And goes on to say that even though we're steadfast, we could be led away into error. Look back at Jude again. Jude here is talking about the people in error that we're to contend for the truth lest these people influence us. Verse 16 says that these people are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. So they had their problems in their day and we have our problems in our day. Sensuality certainly is a problem. Pornography certainly is a problem. The belief that God wants me to be happy, therefore I'm going to leave my spouse, is another problem. If you make your happiness first, you're getting the cart before the horse. You're jumping out of the frying pan, my brother, into the fire.
Let's go.